Good afternoon, White Sox Weekly on the air. My name is Mark Harmon. We are live at Guaranteed Rate Field. The White Sox and Oakland Athletics coming up tonight. Tanner Roark for the A's. And Ronaldo Lopez hopes to continue his second half resurgent tonight, starting for the White Sox. Six and nine with a now 5.41 ERA. That ERA well down from over six. He's uh, Ronaldo owns a ERA of one and a half uh, with 17 strikeouts and two career starts uh, versus the Oakland A's. And Sox starters overall have been pitching a lot better. 3.4 that ERA over their last eight games. We've got a busy show today. Biggest news of the week. How about the White Sox and Yankees? Field of Dreams, that's right, going to Dyersville, Iowa, August 13th of next season. Now, I know for a lot of you, your favorite movie, as far as baseball movies go, is Field of Dreams. And that is uh, has to be an incredibly cool moment if you're a White Sox fan and getting to know that your team is going to play there. Against the Yankees, no less. Right? Imagining if the Yankees are playing in the game, they're, pl- they're probably playing the Red Sox or something annoying like that. But uh, the White Sox getting to play in this game is huge. And I actually want to sort of reverse that conversation. It, the Yankees are fortunate that they get to play the White Sox in Dyersville, Iowa. About 8,000 seats are going to be constructed for the game. Uh, Scott Reipert, who is the White Sox Vice President of Communications, will be with us a little bit after 4 o'clock to discuss all the logistics, how you can get yourself in line for tickets if you're willing to fork over the dough and make the trip to Iowa. I'm not exactly sure if ticket prices have been decided or not. We'll find all of that out uh, coming up after 4 o'clock. We also will be talking with Michael Huff today, the former Northwestern Wildcat, former Chicago White Sox, who's running camps. Uh, out here today, he was sitting with Lucas Giolito and Jason Benetti and a bunch of campers out at Guaranteed Rate Field today. Uh, some stuff that you can be involved in as the summer is winding down. So that's a little bit after 4 o'clock today. Talked with Adam Engel today, who uh, has really done a nice job coming back to the club after being sent out earlier in the year. And Adam's a guy who's you know battling to stay on the team, really, as uh, the White Sox move forward. And you expect Luis Robert to be here next year playing center field probably sooner than later uh, in the year. And, and where does a guy like Adam fit? And I'm sure he would love to fit somewhere on that roster to be able to spell guys. And if anybody uh, goes down or, you know, perhaps you're also showcasing yourself for another team as well. That's uh, part of the business of baseball. Hector Santiago, who has been a Swiss Army knife for the White Sox as well as a starter coming out of that bullpen. He's a New York guy, and he's got a charity called Santiago's Soldiers. Uh, Hector's always great to talk to, uh, and he'll be coming up here as well. He was... Uh, with the Sox last year, if you recall, and then in the off season, he signed with the New York Mets, did not make the team out of spring training, went down, then got called up, then got released. Two days later, the White Sox 
pick him up, send him to AAA, and now uh, back with the team starting, coming out of the bullpen. Uh, Hector will be on the show today. And lastly, Jason Benetti is going to be calling a baseball game next Saturday night with the one and only Bill Walton. Now, I don't know how you feel about Bill Walton, but I love Bill Walton. And for some people, they think he's too loud and too crazy and too all over the map or too whatever. But I like to be entertained in my broadcast. And Bill Walton, you cannot argue, is all sorts of entertaining. So Jason's super excited about it. And uh, we're going to talk to Benetti about how it all went down that Bill Walton uh, became a part of the broadcast. Those two did some college basketball last year in Hawaii. And... There was sort of an instant chemistry, which is similar to how it was uh, with Steve Stone and Jason, who seemed to have known each other their entire life as they started doing games together. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about next Saturday night and Bill Wall. And I don't even know if he's ever done a baseball game. but And judging by the way he throws a baseball, where I've seen some video of him throwing out first pitches, uh, that wasn't particularly pretty. But none of that really matters. I'm sure he, he knows enough to hold up that side, and then he'll just be super entertaining and be thrilled to be there, and I think it'll be great. So I will have Jason on the show uh, for back-to-back weeks. He was on last week, a little bit more of extended stay. This one is uh, just a little snippet on uh, working with Bill Walton. But when we come on back here, we will play you an interview uh, that I just did with uh, Hector Santiago. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. Here's a guy who's battling his way and just has a great, great, great attitude and he's also given back a ton to the community. So let's do that next. It's White Sox Weekly. We're live at Guaranteed Rate Field. White Sox and the A's coming up on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. I'm always impressed by the journey and the determination of the, of the Major League Baseball player. Not the, the, the guy that's number one on the roster, for number one starter. That's sweet, super talented, and super impressed by that. But I also appreciate the guy who's... Can I get an opportunity to be a fifth starter? Can I can I be in the bullpen? And then you end up back at AAA, and then you're fighting your way back. Hector Santiago's with us. So let's go back to last year. You're starting, and then uh, the off season comes. Just remind fans of your your journey. Yeah. So um, you know, obviously last year I was here, did it all. You know, close saves, um, start, long relief, short relief, left handy guy. Um, going the off season, you know, thinking I had a pretty good year last year. I was going to have an opportunity to get a job somewhere, and was hoping it was back here in Chicago. And uh, you know, not all things work out sometimes. You know, it's a uh, the game of baseball has changed, the business side of it. Um, so I, I got the opportunity to sign with the Mets, which was always a dream of mine to go be able to play in New York and be close to home, run my family. Um, had the opportunity to sign with them. I signed with them in spring training. I didn't make the team out of spring, so I went down for about a month and a half, grinding the minor league lifestyle again for a little while. Got the opportunity finally to come up and you know join the big club, pitch there for about a month and month and a half, maybe something like that. And um, you know they DFA'd me. They wound up releasing me. Uh, I took my release and was trying to look for another opportunity with another club to you know come up to the big leagues. So I went home for a few days down in Puerto Rico, and I think it was maybe 36 hours, and the White Sox called me. And I told my agent, I was like, if it was any other club that called me at that time, I don't think I would have signed. But just because of the, the relationship I have with these guys here and the opportunity that I know that was available or possible, um, you know, I ran. I, I got back on a plane the next day, and I was back in Charlotte, North Carolina, with the White Sox. And, you know, after about a month and two weeks, I got my opportunity to come back up here and, you know, pitch again. So did you not want to leave because of the situation in Puerto Rico at the time? 
No, I mean, I think it was just more of a... I, I was I was excited to have a week off in the summer for the first time in you know 15 years or 14 years. So um, my agent said, hey, you know the way the game's going, it's a little tough that you'll probably be home for 30 days. And I'm like, man, 30 days during the summer of the you know fun time in Puerto Rico and you know not I guess it's a little mental break sometimes, you know, and just being home for that little bit of time would have been nice. Uh, you know, obviously it didn't work out because I signed two days later, but uh, I was looking forward to it. But I mean, it all it all came in you know all in stride and it worked out for the best. So when you're going to Charlotte, are you getting communication from, hey, up top, like, look, you pitch well, we expect you to be here anytime. Was there any promises? <laughs> in baseball, there's no promises. And, uh, you know, and for some reason, no matter how good your relationship is, there's com- communication is, is hard in baseball. Um, you, you understand the game. You learn the game. You learn what's going on. You know how the situation works when they're calling people up. But uh, communication on that side of it, there's never a hint saying, hey, you're coming up to the big leagues. Because they don't want to tell you that and it doesn't happen. And you don't want to be told that and it doesn't happen. You know, So I think in baseball, you just kind of take it in stride and you want to be... You know, you want to think positive. You want to go out there and pitch and try to, you know, prove yourself that you're, you know, able to have the opportunity to come up and you know you can come up here and pitch in the big leagues. But uh, there's never any guarantees in baseball. I mean, you know, you go in six years in the big leagues, you go through arbitration. It's never guaranteed. So, uh, and then you pitch, you know, six healthy years in the big leagues, and you never know how free agents going to look. You know, you pitched the year before good, and you don't know what you're looking at coming into the next off season or next season. You're no dummy, though. You, you, you look at what's going on with the White Sox, you know they're a little bit thin in the rotation right now and sort of in transition. So I, I'm, I'm thinking you had to be thinking, you know what, I'm probably going to get an opportunity here. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's, uh, that's what came in the decision of signing so fast. You know, you, you know they had a couple guys hang, uh, hurt and banged up, and then they had a, a couple other guys that you know weren't throwing the balls too great. So, uh, And the game of baseball is, hey, if you're, if you're not doing the job, you know, let's get the next guy in there and see what he can do. Uh, so you just you kind of look at everybody's rotation or everybody's bullpen and you see what's going on with injuries or trades and you know the trade deadline's coming up and these guys have some guys that they could have possibly moved and there was going to be some openings. We obviously, you know, as an organization, didn't move anybody before the trade deadline. So uh, that kind of shuts some doors. But, you know, you, you're still taking a shot. Like you said, they're, you know they're thin and you know they're looking for somebody to come in and eat some innings up. So when you come back in this clubhouse this year, did it feel different from last year? Like one more year mature, it was like ah, I felt like I never left. Uh, yeah, so I, I get to Detroit and I'm there for the doubleheader. I, I come in right before the first game's done, and you know we we shake hands after the first game win, and I felt like I, I was there all year. You know, everybody's coming in, saying hi, and everybody's you know excited, and I have a really good relationship with most of these guys, and you know there's a lot of new faces. I think there's about ten to twelve new faces here, but I've you know played against them, I've met them along the way in baseball, so a really good relationship with all these guys here, and I felt like I never left. You know. You still doing stuff off the field? I know that's always been important for you. Yeah, I'm um, working a bunch of stuff right now. You know, I, I actually just signed some contracts for trying to kid Santiago Soldiers uh, a team in Jersey. So you can join a couple of different tournaments. Um, we did a bunch of sponsorships and T-shirts and stuff in Puerto Rico. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot of things that we did. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago with that storm we did down in Puerto Rico, we did a lot of good things there. Um, it go, kind of goes unnoticed, you know. I, I don't do too much of the social media stuff, and I'm okay with that. You know, and I mean, I, I'm on social media, but I'm not posting all the things that we're doing, all the events. And I have a good group of people that you know help me out, and we keep it, you know, in house. Not everything needs to be, you know, given credit. You know, some things that are go unsaid, or I feel like are you know a little bit better and a positive impact on the community. And and some of the people in groups that we work with don't don't really want that. You know, the people to see what's going on in their life. You know, they're doing through hard times, but uh, they all appreciate it, and we we love doing it. Main goal, remind people of Santiago Soldiers and how you came up with the idea? 
Yeah, so, you know, um, growing up, my father was a big big contributor in the community, loved giving back to the community. He umpired for free, uh, you know, softball, baseball games. He was always the first guy in the field, uh, you know, doing the, the groundskeeping stuff, whether it was taking the water off the field or trying to get the field dry or, you know, raking it, trying to make sure that the teams were able to play. And, you know, growing up, he sponsored, you know, five or six of my teams growing up, and we weren't, you know, a wealthy family. He just he worked an extra week or a couple more hours that week to try to see if he can get a little extra cash to sponsor our uniform that when we go on the field we look good and hopefully we played good so uh you know growing up and seeing that and when i was like if i ever had the opportunity to do that i will come up to the big leagues and if i ever had the opportunity i'm going to do it and i got up to the big leagues in 2011 and i think 2012 from opening day we started doing some santiago soldiers here in chicago and then it expanded to back home in new jersey and it was from t-shirts to sweaters and sweaters you know all that selling those things went to buying equipment for the field you know buying netting putting up a batting cage in the community um baseballs for the for the league i mean all kinds of good things like that and then now we were able to do you know food drives and a couple of the giving back water and we sent 17 containers to puerto rico though they're in maria filled with water canned goods um medical stuff we had a, di- a bunch of different sponsors that worked with us to get all that stuff out there so started off as t-shirts and you know wound up being you know i think it was a two hundred and eighty thousand dollar investment going down to puerto rico there in maria and you know going around the city and driving around giving out food and stuff like that do you uh, get to know any of the kids personally, or are you too busy to get to like to that level? No, yeah. I mean, down in Puerto Rico, we do a lot of stuff where we're on hands. You know, uh, I know with MLBPA a couple of years ago, we did something back home in Jersey where we did a 450 kid camp where we worked on hands with them. So I, I, I take every during the season a little tough. I mean, because you know we're always traveling, but we do get out in the community and do some things. But in the off season. I've, you know, I've run three or four different camps, done a couple of different things where we're actually on hands. And, you know, I feel like we're trying to teach the kids how to play ball and they're trying to get a signature, which is which is OK. So we uh, we try to make time for that. We do a couple, you know, two, three hour uh, camp and then we take an hour and sign autographs. Do you have a, a favorite ball player growing up? Um I grew up in Jersey. I was a you know Mets fan. I, I love watching left-handed pitchers. So I was a John Franco fan, uh, Andy Pennant, you know, I mean, David Cohn. Uh, well, sorry, and um, you know, but I, I was a big left-handed pitcher guy, especially guys that you know weren't overpowering. You know, Billy Wagner was another guy; he was overpowering. But I mean, the, the, I was a big fan of left-handed pitcher. So that's crazy, by the way. You you grow up a Mets fan, and even though you were just there briefly, but you got to play for the team that you grew up loving. You know, you know. How- few people get to do that like less than one tenth of one one hundredth of one percent <laughs> no no doubt um and i always said it you know i mean i, I love the white, white Sox organization i had a good time with the angels it was a you know fun experience over there minnesota was a, a rough one for me i had i had a great time but i was my first time in my career that i was hurt but uh, i always tell my wife and my parents that if i ever have an opportunity whether it's you know for a month or a day to come back and play in new york and any of the teams in new york but especially the mets that i would i uh, would jump at it so when the mets called they weren't the only offer that i had during the offseason but they were one of the ones that I wanted to hear and, you know, take a chance at it and see if it would work out. It worked out. I mean, I have to say it worked out. I got called up to the big leagues with the New York Mets, and, um, you know, you can't, you can't always ask for too much. You know, I, I, if I said if it was for a day, it would have been great. If it was, you know, it was for 40 days, so it was even better. And, and now you're back here where you belong. How are you looking at the rest of the year? Um, yeah, I'm definitely back where I belong. I, I love I love coming back here. I love being a part of this organization. These these guys were the first guys that gave me the opportunity in baseball and the big leagues. And um, you know, looking forward to kind of whatever. I know I'm back in that Swiss Army role and kind of you know do whatever they need. So I got a starter ready. Um, I'm back in the bullpen. We'll see how this goes. Whether it's going to be a long guy, left-handed specialist, you know, save some games out. Whatever they need me to do, I'm I'm ready to go. 
you know that Chicago's better than New York, right? The Chicago hot dogs better, the Chicago pizza's better. Um, Jordan, Knicks. I mean, there's a, there's a long list here. I mean, the dunk was cool for Starks, but, you know, they lost that game. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, Chicago is definitely a better time than New York. I, I'm not really a big fan of New York City. Um, you know, all the, the headaches and the traffic and all that stuff that's going on over there. But uh, I live in Chicago. My wife loves Chicago. You know, we've every time when we sign back here, she's like, oh, good. I like Chicago way better than New York anyway. It's great to see you, Hector. Yeah, you too, brother. There we go, Hector Santiago, just a couple of minutes ago down in the White Sox dugout. I had to level that out with the Chicago-New York thing. I thought it was super cool that he got to play for his favorite team growing up, but then, you know, we got to bring it back home here in Chicago's superiority to New York City. I thought that was important. I hope everybody appreciated that. Hector Santiago started earlier this week uh, against Detroit and now back in the bullpen, and just a guy that uh, I find very easy to root for. Great to talk to him today. Hey, uh, White Sox fans, just a reminder, you can head to the park for Dollar Hot Dogs. That's every Wednesday home game this season. Take advantage of this unbeatable deal on Wednesday, August 14th as the Sox take on the Astros at 1.10 p.m. It's brought to you by Securian Financial, who can help you make every moment count. Find out more at Securian.com. And for tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash DollarDogs today. All right, quick timeout. Scott Reifert's coming up after 4 o'clock as we'll talk about the White Sox playing in Dyersville, Iowa. Field of Dreams becomes real. The Sox and the Yankees, that's coming up after 4 on 720 WGN. White Sox coming in today, having won five of their last eight. Positive road trip took Three out of four in Detroit, and two out of three in Philly. Yesterday went the way of the Oakland A's fires over Detweiler. And we'll see what happens tonight. We've got Ronaldo Lopez on the mound. Lopi has been a whole lot better in the second half. He's 2-1 and one with a 2.56 ERA, 34 strikeouts over his five starts in the second half. That is uh, a a drastic improvement from where he was. And part of Ronaldo's improvement came from a conversation that he had with Lucas Giolito. Lucas has been going through, went through his struggles last year, and of course was on fire at the start of the season, ended up in the All-Star game, and then slow in the month of July, but then coming back around, uh, Lucas pitching well in his last start, so that was really, really good to see. Um, and, yeah, if you're looking ahead, uh, following the set here with the Oakland A's, the Houston Astros, one of the best teams in baseball, will be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and that is not going to be easy. Uh, but you get to play baseball's best and see where you match up and see how the White Sox uh, rotation will do against that Astros lineup, which is significant. And then they go out on a seven-game road trip to the Angels and Minnesota. Uh, Of course, that Twins team has been rolling all season long. In the Angels series, as we started out the show, uh, that Saturday night game, if you're not focused on the game, you can focus on the broadcast. Jason Benetti and Bill Walton, which is awesome. Uh, Dave Zaslowski, White Sox executive producer, just walked in, and I know he's excited to hear Bill Walton on the TV broadcast. All right. Scott Reifert's coming up right after 4 o'clock. We will discuss Field of Dreams, the White Sox, and the Yankees from Dyersville, Iowa, August 13th of 2020. And Sox fans, secure your seat for that 2020 season right now. You can play it as a deposit 
for a 2020 ticket package to get first access to the best seats, the best prices, the best benefits. Secure your seat today and don't miss any of the action in 2020. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. Quick time out, and the news is next on 720 WGN. Before we get to the news, I should remind you that the White Sox are going to be celebrating Harold Baines tomorrow with Harold Baines Day. So you should come out to the ballpark. Sundays are phenomenal to come out to the ballpark, period. $5 tickets in the upper deck, 15 in the lower, 10 bucks for parking, tremendous value. Uh, and you get a Harold Baines Day tomorrow. Of course, Harold went into Baseball's Hall of Fame on July the 21st, and he'll be honored tomorrow. So here are some of the folk that will be in attendance. you got Ron Kittle, who uh, is one of Harold's best friends, and Ozzie Guillen, who said the happiest moment for him in baseball was when Harold went into the Hall of Fame. Uh, you've got former White Sox third base coach and former Detroit manager Jim Leland is going to be here tomorrow. Uh, the Hawk is in town tomorrow. That's always good to see Ken the Hawk Harrelson at Guaranteed Rate Field. He will be here. Jim Tomey, Carlton Fisk, Tim Raines, Tony LaRussa. Uh, so they will all be here to honor Harold tomorrow, which is just super sweet. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing all that. Great day to come on out to the ballpark tomorrow will be Game 3, White Sox and the Oakland A's. Scott Reifert, White Sox Vice President of Communications, coming up after 4 o'clock, who I think he already has his room booked in Dyersville, Iowa, uh, for Field of Dreams, White Sox and Yankees, August thirteenth, two 2020. So we'll talk about that after the news. Chicago Stories, told 24-7 on 720 WGN Chicago. At the wall, the 380, gone! A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, indeed. Adam Engel is coming up, as is Michael Huff. Scott Reifert is here right now, uh, which this news caught me uh, off guard. Scott Reifert is the Senior Vice President of Communications for the Chicago White Sox. You know, I see you a lot, and you, you you didn't feel the need to say, hey, Carm, you know, there might be this really cool thing with the White Sox and the Yankees. How long did you know that uh, the Sox were being considered to go to Dyersville, Iowa, and play at Field of Dreams? Uh, a while, and it's amazing to me that... Uh... Hang on one second, let me do that. Now you're good. A while, Mark, and it's amazing to me that it stayed quiet. So it's kind of a tribute to everybody. It was so complicated a deal because you had the people at Field of Dreams over in Dyersville. You had the Yankees, the White Sox, Major League Baseball, NBC Universal because of the movie. So a lot of moving pieces. A lot of credit to Major League Baseball on this one. So how did the White Sox get in the conversation? We'll get to the Yankees part on that, too, in a second. But how did, you know, did you, would they put it out like you can pitch this or did they come to you? Well, I, I mean, thanks to Mr. Kinsella. He wrote us into the into the story, right? right? right so, of course, I think if you're going to honor the 30th anniversary of the book um, or of the movie, um, you have to include the White Sox in the story because it's just such a strong connection in the generational story of baseball. Okay, fair enough. I thought that I, 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 was, I was anticipating some upper level negotiations, but it, it's it, that's 
to be authentic to the movie that makes a, a whole lot of sense. And so then they they want the Yankees there because why? They're just because of the big bad Yankees. Well, I think if you if you go back through the through the movie, the the two favorite teams of of his father of of Kevin Costner's father um, were the Yankees and the White Sox. So we both kind of play into the wow. story. Um, you know, I don't know how you get Moonlight Graham in there and the New York Giants, but uh, it's pretty cool. That's funny how because I'm the way I'm remembering the movie, I'm thinking of Fenway Park. You know, he's, he's sitting there, and whatever was said on the screen, i got to watch the movie again. I know if you sat here yesterday, you guys played it. But that's I, I, I forgot the Yankee connection in there, so that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, right. this is one of those movies that's on my DVR constantly. So, yeah, it's, I'm kind of I'm lame that way. Every so often I watch a couple minutes. I mean, we got to be on brand here, so it's got to be your favorite baseball movie. But is it your favorite baseball movie? I know that's a tough question. A lot that's of good a, ones. That's a tough question. It's, you know what? Sandlot's tough. To, we're all 12 years old it, It's in our hearts, right? Right, yeah. so Sandlot's tough to top. Okay, fair enough. I I think I go the natural, and because I just want to, you know, be Roy Hobbs and uh, hit that home run and have the lights come down. But uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a million. Bull Durham is in there. Field of Dreams, uh, League of Their Own was a great film. Okay, so people want to go, Scott Wrightford. How? Yeah, well, yeah, the phones have been ringing off the hook. It's amazing. I mean, this is a national story, international story, quite honestly. So. A ton of excitement, not a ton of answers right now for us. Major League Baseball runs this game. So even though it's a home game for us, it's treated as if it's a jewel game. So it's like an all-star game for them or a postseason game. They're going to, they're going to, basically the plan is to start putting together the stadium. It's going to be about 8,000 seats. Okay. They'll work backwards from there. You can do the math and they'll work backwards from there. And at some point in the coming months, and it will be months, They'll give us a sense of what allotment, if any, we're going to get. Wow. Um, and obviously, I, I rattled off all of those those entities earlier. They've all, you know, the state of Iowa has been, was involved. The community of Dyersville was involved. Oh, by the way, we're going to show up on your front lawn and throw a Major League Baseball game. So there's a lot of people in play here. Do you think this will be the only time they do it? If you had to guess, because I mean, just thinking about it and the logistics and what what it's gonna what it, what they could charge to get people to go there, this seems like a pretty good moneymaker, I would think. My answer a week into this is we baseball, and who am I to speak for baseball? Right. Um, I can speak for the White Sox, but not baseball. Right. Um, they'd be foolish not to. Right. Right. I mean, there's obviously something deep here with folks, and it just it tugs at your heartstrings and. We're gonna. The stadium is gonna stay up. That's part of what they're doing. They're giving it to the community. Wow. Um, so it'll get used. So once you've kind of done it, wow. other than the logistics of getting to Dyersville and and back, um, or getting there from wherever you are, um, it seems silly not to. Yeah, I, I saw a post on Twitter yesterday. I think it was Darren Ravello was tweeting it. Rooms at the Motel Six in Dyersville. Like they're getting, they're get, they're off the hook. Get a calls. Which, by the way, Motel Six is a great hotel. I'm saying nothing bad about Motel Six, but I mean that's you know that will be a thing. Like, where are you going to stay? It, it is a a listen. It's a home game for me because I'm from Iowa. I'm from Muscatine, Iowa. Are you so from I'm Muscatine? About, I'm about an hour and a half away, give or take. Uh, so you know, I've at least got a room. Uh, that I don't have to worry about as long as mom and dad, maybe I got to get mom and dad a ticket, but yeah, I've got a room. So just to, you know, if we're talking Muscatine, Iowa, I got to throw it out there. I mean, I went to the University of Iowa, I'm a proud graduate. Muscatine's a hop, skip, and a jump from Iowa City. So for those who want to, you know, take in a great Iowa City weekend, which is at any point in the year, that's another way you could potentially do it, I suppose. I, I would, I'm a Hawkeye as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, 
I was fortunate to be there. We were number one in football and number one in basketball in the same year, so that'll age me a little bit. But oh, uh, so we're talking Hayden Fry, Hayden Fry, and, and we're talking uh, George Raveling. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Such a good era. Pretty talented teams. So that's a that's a BJ Armstrong right there. That's an Elite Eight loss. We don't need to go down that. <laughs> let me get back on. Let me get back on point here. Uh, so we don't know how much tickets are going to cost then. That's all going to get set by Major League Baseball, yeah. and you know all they've told us thus far is based on their experience, and they've done this at Fort Bragg. Although those tickets were were distributed strictly to military, and they've also done the little league games, um, they just know it's that they've told us very very little. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to kind of prepare ourselves. I mean, I'm just thinking if you're if you're trying to guesstimate out, you figure baseball playoff ticket prices, and but the thing is, like baseball playoff ticket prices, you know, in, in the in the upper deck, you can get uh, what I would consider pretty good value for well, any seat relative to. For a baseball game is good value in the playoffs because it's a playoff game, but uh, there's not going to be a bad seat in that place. Not you know even oh no like yeah. eight thousand tickets. I mean come on. And one of the things that we're most excited about is they really just creatively some of the things that they're talking about. The outfield contours are going to match Old Comiskey Park. Yeah, they're going to put the bullpens in center field like at Old Comiskey Park. They're going to put holes in the fence uh, or at least see through um, where you, you'll see the corn. And to get to the field, fans are going to have to walk through the corn. Um, so some really kind of neat things to, to tie into the movie and and uh, give people kind of a cool experience. So you're telling me that Lucas Giolito is going to come out of the corn. <laughs> Did I hear yeah, that right? Well, I think if you watch, go back and watch the movie. It's kind of the thing. I, I Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I was asking Dave Zeslowski, our White Sox executive producer, because I asked him if he had any questions for you beforehand. And so he wants to know if Costner's throwing out the first pitch. TBD. How about that? Can I just? It's, it's early. It's early, guys. See, We're not even a year. They're they're going out. I think next week to start cutting down some corn. So I, I appreciate the interest, but we're not there yet. See, I think that it should be like Hawk Harrelson coming out there. Like, like, like that just seems <laughs> on brand. Uh, all right, here a couple other things other than Field of Dreams. Your uh, what? What's been the response to the netting so far? Uh, you know, we've heard we've we've heard nothing, basically nothing, which I, I think is a pretty good sign. Um, and it was kind of the, the, our suspicion. There've been there've been a couple fans who've raised the point um, that if you're looking at a certain angle, that they find it problematic. But in those cases, I think we've been able to deal with them on one-on-one basis and move them around. I think by and large, people appreciate the fact that the safety factor. Yep. And I think they we've gotten a, a, a ton of accolades and, and appreciation for being first and getting it done. Yep. Um, and we have some some things in our factors in our favor to make that happen. It's it was e- it's easy here to do it just from an engineering standpoint, which is one of the reasons we said let's get it done over the All Star break. Senior Vice President of Communications Scott Reifert with us here on White Sox Week. We also, I mean, it's the way the guaranteed rate is contoured. I mean, those seats you're in the danger zone down there. I mean, that's the reality of it. And and you guys are making sure that your fans are safe. Yeah, and and we we certainly acknowledge that the ballpark experience is different than it was when let's say five years ago, ten years ago. Um, people people sitting in the stands with their phones head down a, a lot, and the ball's coming off bats differently. We see it. We yeah, see it every night. I it's mean, true. Their balls hit. Now, I've caught myself, and you probably do the same thing, Mark. There'll be a ball hit down the line, and you don't have that little tense moment of who's it going to hit and how's it going to ricochet out. Now it's a nothing ball. It hits the net, pick it up, and move on. Right, and if you, you know, let's say you were a season ticket holder or whatever, you just had seats down the line for a game and you couldn't go, and maybe you're giving it to your 
aunt who's going to bring your kid, and then you almost feel like, hey, by the way, you know, you're going to be four rows from the field. I don't, you, you need to be paying attention. Then you're like almost worried to say that because then they might feel that they're not equipped to go because they won't be able to protect their, you know, the niece or nephew or their own kid. You don't have that anymore. Yeah, no, I, and. You know, you hear some people say, well, look, if you pay attention, you can react. You know what? I'm sorry. You go down in our clubhouse, you've done it, and you ask those guys where they put their families. Right. Or you ask those guys what it's like to sit in the stands, and those are professional baseball players. Always behind the net. And just for the record, by the way, it's it's safer now, but if you're coming out to Guaranteed Rate Field and you're sitting in the particularly the 300 level, don't be sleeping up there either because the ball's still coming back at a, at a good clip. So, you know, it's, it's still important to pay attention. We had a fan make a tremendous catch down the left field line yesterday. He, oh, he kind of, yeah, he dove over his, uh, Aloy turned on a ball and kind of hit a looping liner just over the net, had a little bit of hair on it. Yeah. And this guy, I don't know who it was, he made a great dive over his daughter out into the stands. So, yeah. round of applause. See, and, and I say it because, you know, we sit on the 300 level up here during the game. And right next to me, there, there's a hole dented here when, when Connor McKnight had this job, and he wasn't paying attention. And, I mean, lucky for Connor, it missed him, but, it, you know, I don't I think he would have been okay, but he might have missed a day or two of work. Uh, but, you know, Connor's a tough guy. He's, he's got everything going on. I, I want to ask you just along those lines with people on their phones and um, just society in general, and you guys, like every team in baseball, trying to get people to come to the park and spend their dollars here. Like, how are you, how's, how's the White Sox organization trying to, you know, like, see the future and what's reality of, of, of what is? And people still, I think, will always love to come to baseball games. They want to be outside. They want to be with their family. They want to drink a beer, whatever, have a soda. Have a drink. But, it, but it is changing. Well, and it's changing, and it's, and it's, look, so much of what we do is about kids, right? And it's about that sure. first generation. And we know, um, we know that most people become a White Sox fan through, Mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandpa, grandma. No question. And we know if you walk through the, the, the uh, sections around here, you'll see generations of White Sox fans together enjoying the game. And we also know that if we get people out here before the age of five, now obviously they're not making that decision on their own, right? Mom and dad are saying it's important enough to me to bring you to a game to basically baptize you, yep. air quotes, into into being a White Sox fan. We've got you for life. And so, like, you see things today where... Uh, the the Bulls and White Sox Academy folks are out here. They had a clinic uh, or a Q and A Q&A with with players before the game, and now they're out in the outfield catching uh, balls during batting practice. Those are all kids under the ages of twelve, right? Yep. And we're trying to create memories for them each and every night. Well, I know that my niece Grace Carmen loves fundamentals, and uh, I did think she dominated out there and took on all comers <laughs> uh, in the race and uh, fielded some ground balls. I know she threw about five miles an hour harder than you. Yeah, there? that that's that's huh? unfortunate. Okay. Uh, and uh, right, well, it's been a, it's been a rough week for me on a, on, a, on a lot of levels here. We don't we don't need to go down there. Uh, Scott, appreciate you coming up here, and uh, hey, it's going to be awesome. I, I don't know. I'm sure there are some people that they probably won't say it, but like, I got to go to Dyersville, Iowa in the middle of the season here. It's an added little travel thing, but like, I think when they all get there, it's just going to be an embracing of the experience. You know, like a lot of things in life, the logistics kind of get in the way, but the cool factor when you sit down in the stands and the sun goes down in the cornfields and, and you experience it, it's going to be very neat. Once in a lifetime. Yeah, so it's, and just for people to kind of get it around it, it's a, on a Thursday. Uh, it's the first of four games, or first of three games with the Yankees, right? So Friday is an off day, and then Saturday and Sunday, will con- the rest of the series will continue at guaranteed rate field. Exactly. Giving us Friday to kind of get back here and get our legs under us a little bit. And enjoy the whole experience.
Scott, great to see you. Mark, thank you. All right, White Sox Senior Vice President of Communications, Scott Wright for the White Sox and Yankees, August 13th, 2020. Quick timeout, White Sox Weekly 720 WGN. Jason Benetti is next. He'll be talking about his uh, upcoming broadcast with Bill Walton on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly 720 WGN. Glad to have you on board on a Saturday afternoon, White Sox. And the Oakland A's coming up, Ronaldo Lopez on the mound tonight. Hey, you can join the White Sox in honoring Chicago area police and fire departments. This is Thursday, August 22nd for Police and Fire Night. Now, this is a really cool night. I actually got to be an umpire uh, for the game, I think it was two years ago, not last year. My memory is apparently going south right now. But regardless, I was out there. Started out on the right field line, moved all the way to third base, uh, was very potent making calls. Uh, and it was just cool to uh, see the police going against the fire. And the first 10,000 fans, you get a police and fire-themed T-shirt. It's presented by UL. So for more than a century, hold on a second here, for more than a century, UL has been committed to fire safety. And you can learn more at ul.com slash fire. Uh, to purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash pdfd. Or call 866-SOX-GAME. All right, so next Saturday, the White Sox will be playing the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Steve Stone has the series off, so the White Sox had to come up with the broadcaster. And they found this guy who probably played on, I'm going to call it the third best basketball team of all time. That would be the 1986 Boston Celtics. I'm putting the Bulls of 91 up there first, then I'll pick a Lakers team, then I'll go with the Celtics. So Bill Walton's I'm sure you've you have heard him on uh, many a basketball broadcast, perhaps never on a baseball one, uh, but he's got that chemistry going on with Jason Benetti. And I caught up with Jason before the game today, and uh, here was our conversation asking him how this all came about. Love Bill Walton, one of the most genuine people I have ever, ever, ever met and as fun of a person to do a game with as you could possibly dream up. I mean, it is all over the place in the best way. And his mind, I like, I was thinking about it, and he's the person I have been around who's most likely to taste colors. I don't know what that means, Jason, but it sounds moderately delicious. Yeah, so I don't know what they taste like, but I imagine that he does. Uh, He's... His mind fires in a different way than the rest of America, I think, and it's a glorious uh, thing to be around. Isn't the important thing to take away from Bill Walton that don't think, don't take things too seriously? This is the toy department. We're having fun. Yeah, but that's life, right? That's what we should do anyway. It's not. It's a game. We're not watching C-SPAN, so yeah, we're gonna have some fun. But also, it's not like we're we're not gonna turn off the pictures too. You can see the game, and for those who are like, oh, Bill Walton. Whatever, just listen to the joy. What I would what I would implore anybody who says they don't enjoy him, which is a small part of the population, I would say listen to the joy coming out of him and try to match that because he just loves being around life. Plus, you get the deep analysis on every curveball 161 times a year or whatever, 158. Steve's there plenty. We can have a little, you know, whatever you want to call Bill's analysis will be. That's that's okay once in a blue moon. But that's, you know, I would have loved to see him and Vin Scully have a conversation if I ever got the opportunity to do that because I actually don't think 
his understanding of storytelling is that far from Vin's because Bill tries to suck the marrow, the positive marrow out of everything. And when Vin was watching baseball and talking about baseball on a daily basis, he made it joyful. And, and Bill does the same thing. I, I don't, people will say, well, how could you compare those two? By analogy, there's a lot in there that I think is, it compares favorably. So can I just do one behind the scenes here? You go to Bob Grimm, who makes these decisions, say, hey, I'd like to get Bill Walton, and they looked at you and said, Jason, have you lost your mind? I mean, what would happen? Give us the behind the scenes here. No, there was a lot of yes uh, when that name came up, and it actually first came up in the off season from the video guy for the Sox, Brian Johnson. BJ said, uh, I think he texted me and was like, oh, man, this is great. We should get him for a Sox game. And then we were jokingly talking about it at the beginning of the season. And then it turned out Stoney's missing these four games in Anaheim, so we have the opportunity to bring people in who are around California to come do games, and it was a perfect fit. It's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. Throw it down one time. Jason Benetti, good to see you on back-to-back weeks on White Sox Weekly. Conference of Champions. Throw it down. Iron sharpens iron. Of course it does. (laughs) There's Jason Benetti going to work with Bill Walton. I actually had a moment uh, with, I was walking down, I want to say, Ohio? Somewhere in the city this week, and I looked to my left, and there in a window is Jason Benetti having his dinner at like 5.30 on a, on, a, on a Monday, which is interesting that Benetti eats so early in the day. Or maybe it was Tuesday. No, it was Thursday. It was Thursday. It was most definitely Thursday. So this is like the baseball broadcast. That's when you eat, right? You're on at 7. you got to eat at 5.30. So he's a creature of habit. So I walked up on him, and I've grown out this beard, and he's looking at me like I'm this deranged person. I don't think you recognize me. I just waved at him, and then I kept on going. Um, so that's the story. wasn't one of my all-time greats, but uh, he, he, he did tell me today that I didn't recognize you at first, and then I did, Carmen, and I was happy that you walked away. So <laughs> that was what happened. All right. Uh, after 4.30, we're going to have Michael Huff in here uh, talk about some White Sox camps that are still going on. You can get a little snippet at the end of your summer. And uh, we still have a conversation with Adam Engel coming up as well. And, yes, you can grab your friends and head to the park for bleachers and brews. It is presented by Budweiser. Get one bleacher seat and two beers for just $22. That's all season long. You must be 21 and over with a valid ID. Uh, to purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash brew and enter that promo code brew. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. <laughs> White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Before we get to the news, just a quick minor league update from yesterday. Zach Collins, AAA, he was 2-5 for five with a homer. It's the third time in his last six games that Collins has homered. He's batting 350, 14 for 40, three doubles, three homers, 14 RBIs in his last 10 games. That is good to see. AA Birmingham, by the way, uh, the Charlotte Knights beat the Lehigh Valley Pigs 9-2 last night. Uh, Class AA Birmingham lost to Montgomery 6-1, but Blake Rutherford, who has rebounded nicely this season, was 2-for-3. He's been on base now in nine consecutive games, and he's hitting uh, 303 in those nine games, 10-for-33 with a homer and five RBIs. Steel Walker was 2-for-4, Class Winston, Class A Winston-Salem, uh, as they lost to Fayetteville 6-2. to uh, Steel Walker's been hot as of late, and that's a guy that is certainly in the mix to be in that White Sox outfield down the line. 
Uh, he's had hits in nine of his last ten games, 462 the batting average during that span, a homer and five RBIs. And we'll update Canapolis, too. They lost to Delmarva by a score of 7-4. to four. Shortstop Lenny Sosa was 1-5, for five, and he's been on base in eight straight. All right, let's get a check in news. Michael Huff from the White Sox Bulls Academy will be here in a matter of moments. WGN, the team's flagship radio station. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox, 720 WGN. Beautiful day for baseball at Guaranteed Rate Field. Mentioned earlier, I'll mention again tomorrow's Harold Baines Day. The who's who of the White Sox will be out here tomorrow. Uh, so come on out if you want to honor Harold, if he was a part of your childhood perhaps. Uh, it would be a cool day to take your family out to the ballpark. $5 for upper deck seats, 15 for the lower level, 10 bucks for parking. Uh, and you will have a lot of cool people. Ron Kittle, Ozzie Guillen, Jim Leland, Ken the Hawk Harrelson, Jim Tomey, Carlton Fisk, Tim Raines, Tony La Russa. Michael Huff is going to be here tomorrow. Are you not, Michael Huff? Good I to see you. I am going to be here, not quite on the field. And, and even if he wasn't your pal or your friend as you were growing up, for me it was like high school, college watching him. He still was such a pure hitter, so much fun to watch. No doubt, no doubt. Chicago White Sox Youth Sports. Uh, Michael Huff is here, the White Sox Director of Youth Baseball. Give me a favorite Herald memory if you have one. Oh, for me it was the leg kick. I mean, he was the first one that really had that leg kick hands down. And when you try to emulate it, if you weren't getting your hands up when that front foot landed, you were totally off. But when you did, it somehow the ball always went a little bit further when I hit it. It's the L, right? And that was not easy to do. I think <laughs> that's why he's a Hall of Famer. I'm, I'm thinking back to uh, like things you imitated as a kid. And just different deliveries and whatnot. Oh, uh, Goose Gossage with the legs and everything going all over the place. The Herald kicked for definitely, for sure. Dennis Eckersley was in there. You always had a little bit of a pudge. Always when that ball was down the line with your friends, you would flip the bat and start the hands saying, stay fair, stay fair. A a little, uh, now you just made me think like a Ron Kittle uh, roof shot. But all right, let's, uh, let's get to what was going on today here. I saw... You're down there with Lucas Giolito and Jason Benetti and Joe McEwing where you had, I don't know, seemed like a couple hundred kids down there uh, all enjoying the conversation. So what was what was going on today? And uh, it seems like it's been a huge summer uh, for the White Sox youth sports camps. Which yeah, been you are spot packed. on. It, it has been fun. We had almost a 1,000 people here, and wow. every one of our summer campers gets to come to the ballpark to get to watch batting practice, get to be a part of a Q&A. We've had Tim Anderson today, Lucas Giolito. But typically, for every two weeks of camps, we would come to a Friday or Saturday night game. Obviously, last week and this week, those campers had the opportunity. I think we had, like I said, 1,000 people here. Uh, and just to hear the questions asked, to, to see how McEwing and, and Lucas were interacting with the kids, you could just see the smiles on the faces so gross, so like into what he was saying. It's just It's very fun to be able to provide that to these kids in Chicago. And we've had over 2,000 kids this summer, which almost doubled the numbers from last year. What kind of messages were uh, Lucas and, and everybody and Joe trying to get out to the kids? I think the big thing was to, to have fun when you're playing, to uh-huh. do multiple sports okay. as you're young, uh, to understand that the best part about baseball is the failure, because in life you have so many 
uh, hurdles and obstacles you have to overcome, and this game more than others, where you, if you only fail 70% of the time, you're in the Hall of Fame. Right. What a great way to learn how to bounce back, and what do you do with adversity? So for both of them, there were multiple questions that gave them a chance to talk about when they were growing up and, and the adversity they had gone through to have continued success. Lucas, a first-round kid out of high school, Joe McEwing, a junior college, late-round draft choice, but both of them made it to the major leagues. Yeah, I think Joe is just uh, maybe easier to relate to than the six foot six inch starting. <laughs> yeah, five six, a lot more people five six than six six. Absolutely right. Right, and and Joe's a total grinder. He put every ounce. Not, and that's not saying that Lucas doesn't work his tail off too. But I think seeing a guy. And that's the thing with baseball players, by the way. I mean, look at Michael Huff. You're not. You're not. You, know, you don't. One. You, yeah. you, you don't walk down the street and everybody turns their head. But they should for your. You know, uh, your I don't know about that. Yeah, but, so but it's you not Richard Dent walking down the street. Right. It's not Richard Dent. It's yeah. it's not a seven foot basketball yeah, player. Yeah. And, it, right, and so, how did this guy? Who seemingly you look at him, he looks super normal. I mean, if you, Greg Maddox, yeah, I same mean, thing, same deal. I, I think part of the message, what we try to teach with the academy, whether it's a, a youth pitching camp, whether it's a team training or our summer camps, is putting these kids in a position to have success, building on that fundamentals of feeling, throwing, hitting, and then what do you do with it? Do you play games with your friends, or do you just wait for a practice? Do you play games with your brother and sister, or play catch with your mom and dad, or you just wait for the game? And those kids, like Joe McKee, Ewing, Mike Huff, who were the smallest kids growing up, but were playing catch with mom and dad, even for 15 minutes when they came home from work, playing with the friends at the park and not waiting just for a practice or a game. I think that's the reason that Joe and I continue to play beyond just high school into college, and then obviously lucky for both of us to get to the majors. Yeah, and it's also it's incredibly sweet if you make it to the major leagues, but you're also doing something that's... Maybe you'll just play through high school. Maybe you'll just play through college. Maybe you'll just end up playing in some men's league when you're 40 years old or 50 years old or whatever, 60 years old, and you're still enjoying the actual experience. Exactly. And those life lessons, like you were asking and like Lucas and, and Joe were talking about, the fact that you can be a number nine hitter on a team and help them win, well, that's like the person answering phones for a company. It's not just the president or the CEO, your three and four hitters that make the team successful or a company successful. If you learn about adversity, and learn about, like myself and Joe, being maybe a table setter, working a walk, making a defensive play rather than getting the big hit, and the team wins, you're a part of something bigger. So like you said, whether you max out in Little League, max out in high school, max out in college, maybe get drafted, there's life lessons that, again, every successful parent, I'm sure, understands and wants their son or daughter to be able to experience. Right, and a lot of lessons in just being with the group and how do you partner with your fellow six-year-old, ten-year-old. <laughs> exactly. Right? Not everybody's going to get to have the same popsicle. Right. And not everybody's going to get to play shortstop every time. There's probably five guys that think they can, and women, girls, whatever, that think they can do it. How do you? Well, and that's what we try to teach in the camps is that, look, not to your point, not everyone gets to bat third, but what do you do when you're batting eighth? Are you going to sulk around or are you going to put your chin up and say, I'm getting two or three hits today to show the coach I need to go up from eight to six to four to maybe three and for our three and four hitters we put a lot of pressure on them but we see in the camps those kids that may be a little bit bigger taller have been playing a little bit longer we almost put them in a position to lead a stretching drill or to example first and almost push them to seeing how they can be leaders and help all the kids in their group to get better along with them. That's a beautiful one. It's not just about me being the super talented dude but how can I bring everybody along with me 
I like that, Michael Huff, White Sox Director of Youth Baseball. Uh, okay, so I know that the summer is coming to an end. Coming to an end. We were just at, at WGN. We are at back-to-school days yesterday yes. in the WGN TV parking lot. I was weeping the whole show and, <laughs> and getting nervous that, like, classes were going to start again. But uh, you guys still have programs coming oh, up in gosh. the fall. Yeah, we do. The fall programs gets a little bit lighter, but we really start talking to the travel organizations in the area. Last year, I think it was over 100 boys and girls travel teams that either came into our facilities, Lyle and LaGrange, or we went to their facilities to do some training, looking to grow that number this year with our Jersey Leagues as well as other communities. But just right now for all those travel organizations that are looking at maybe switching up what they did last year, we're a resource. We can go to you. You can come to us. And Dan Pasqua, former teammate of mine, myself, Jerry Novak, give any of us a call and email, and we can talk about what type of training you want, where you want it, and if we can accommodate it and how we can accommodate it. So what is your advice to parents who my kid is super into baseball and he wants to be whatever? Yeah, Mike Trout. Okay, right. Wants to be the next Mike Trout or he wants to get a scholarship to college. Uh, and, yes, we live in the Midwest and it's not it's. You know, we, we don't get to play baseball outside of your round. Like, what do you tell them? I tell them to find other sports to do. I, I, I remind them, again, personally, never being a captain, never being All-State or an All-Star. I learned in football the difference between an injury and a little bit of soreness. In basketball, I learned to be quick. You had to have lateral movement, and you had to move your feet, which was great for middle infielders for, for, for me, learning how to get that first step in stealing a base. So I say to them, Let's make sure they have some downtime. Let's find another sport for them to do. And then when it gets to that springtime, then let's take that athleticism they're learning from another sport, be it wrestling or swimming or soccer or basketball, and then let's turn those skills that they're learning there and put them into a baseball body. And let's not have success in the week one of the season. Let's have that success week eight, halfway through, and then finish strong so that they love the game and they want to do it again next year. It's interesting. I can I can sense parents are like, no, 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 they can't can't be doing other things they'll 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 lose their skill set or they won't make a team or someone will hold it against them if parents if you're listening to me and you have an organization that is saying if you don't play for me now and i don't have a full commitment year round from you i can't guarantee your kid a spot you don't want your kid playing in that organization that's oh, i love what you just said and there is something to at least from my perspective like baseball you're out there by yourself. You're at the batter's box by yourself. To play a sport like basketball where there's somebody right in front of you who is going to get a little physical with you, and you've got to learn how to handle that. Or football, I mean, now that's yeah. that's a whole other animal. But but those skills, all you, you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you tougher. It's going to most likely, I would think, it would make you more resilient. All that stuff that you're going to need to handle what comes at you in baseball as well. Yeah, very, very true. And it's, it's not just the boys. It's the girls as well. We love... Obviously, working with these softball organizations. And yesterday, we were out here with Jenny Finch, uh, Natasha from the gold medal, um, Watley. It was so much fun empowering girls for life. So to your point, to have those other sports, to have that competition, very fun to see these girls and boys as they come to us after the first of the year, uh, it, it, to see them take that athleticism that they're learning from, that competition they're learning from, and hopefully some of the losses they've had and, and molding it into the season this coming year. Well, and I said football and basketball, and this applies for both boys and girls. But uh, Soccer, volleyball, same thing. Soccer yeah. for, for girls. I mean, I go out and watch my niece play. That is a physical 
activity and in your point at dread mental too i mean there's oh. a there's a lot to handle out there yeah and and i mean you talk about concussions were for mostly boy sports but actually it's the soccer where you see these girls going up trying to head a ball and another girl's head's coming up there that's every bit as physical as basketball because these girls don't want to give up possession of that soccer ball and use their bodies quite a bit to make sure it doesn't happen no doubt no doubt and and you know it's, it's just there's a lot going on people grow at different points in oh time. gosh yeah so you got a, a girl who's you know a 50 pounds less trying to compete on the same field. Yep. 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 A lot going on up there. Michael Huff, great to see you. I'm being told we need to break, so okay, we'll 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 follow we'll follow the script there back Curtis Coke, I got you. Uh Chicago White Sox Youth Sports and Michael's the White Sox director of youth baseball. Just, of- yeah, whitesox.com slash play. Look for all of our fall programming. Good to go. Whitesox.com slash play. Mike, appreciate the time. Awesome. And that interview with Michael was sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and Zoom, ZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. Coming up at 5 o'clock, we're from Adam Engel. We'll do our week in review next. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, week in review time. Mark Carmen with you till 5.30. Andy Mazer warming up in the bullpen. I don't know why I needed to look back at Andy Mazer to make sure he was there, but I just felt like I did. And there he is, right behind me. Uh, he'll have a pregame show coming up uh, at 5.30. All right, let's do our weekend review. And we start last Sunday. White Sox trying to win a series with the Philadelphia Phillies, and it was that guy, Aloy. Ball with tail back in, you get a strike. There's a swing and a high fly ball right center field. This is hit well at the track, at the wall. Three-run homer for Eloy. That's his 18. White Sox now lead 9-3. to was a rocket. He's back. And that was awesome to see, and the Sox ended up winning that game 10-5. to I don't know if you heard in the background, but Siri thought I was just talking to her when I called for that highlight. Settle down, Siri. Uh, let's go to Monday, and that was the game, it was game one of the four-game series with Detroit, which the White Sox won by a score of 7-4, to and James McCann doing it against his former team. And the pitch to McCann. Swinging a line drive to the left. That's a base hit. Coming up, throwing as the left fielder. This is a terrible throw. Home Anderson socks back to a two-run lead at five to three. Nice going, James McCann. Nice going indeed. Lucas Giolito picking up the win in that one. Twelve and five. We go to Tuesday, and it's a day-night doubleheader. The White Sox winning the first game five to three, and Jose Abreu in the middle of it. And the two-two again, swinging a bullet to left. That's a base hit. Home Garcia, and we lead now by three at five to two. Uh, tried to sneak the fastball by him, and uh, he's up to task. Again, you can see it. Abreu's timing is there today. It certainly was, and the White Sox again taking game one. Game two was started by Hector Santiago. The Tigers ended up winning it. But the guy who's been playing pretty well is Ryan Goins. And the pitch, swinging a line drive right center. That's a hit. A turn at third, coming home with no problem. And moving to third, the White Sox have scored another run. It's a two-run ball game. And that was a missile to right center field. And scoring the first to run is Yomer Sanchez. And now the runners are at first and third. How about that? Light Sox ended up making it interesting, but the Tigers taking that one with the, the rain delay uh, on Tuesday night, 10-2-6. Now Wednesday, going for the series win. Ivan Nova was phenomenal, eight innings of work. And it was that James McCann guy doing it again against his former team. Here's the 0-1. Swing a line drive to right. That's a base hit. Abreu around third's getting waved in. And a nonchalant play by the right fielder. I'm going to say that right now. Yep. 
I love when Farmio calls out uh, baseball etiquette that is not up to Ed Farmer's standards. That's That was sweet. White Sox take three of four in the series. Uh, game one of the, the series with Oakland yesterday uh, went to the A's by a score of 7 to nothing. Come on back and uh, get you ready for our 5 o'clock hour, which is a busy one. We'll be talking with Adam Engel. And, uh, yes, White Sox and A's coming up as well. It's White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Sox and the Oakland A's coming on up here. Uh, One thing, you know, when you're going through the White Sox game notes today that just jumps out at me, the White Sox are 38-1 and when leading after six innings. Now, that's not the ninth inning. After six. So you get into the seventh inning with a lead, and you got to feel incredibly comfortable that you're going to win a ballgame. They're 39-1 and after seven and 39-0 and after eight. But basically, with the way the bullpen has been constructed this year, if the White Sox get to the seventh, and they have a lead, they're going to shut it down. Uh, Alex Colomay has been phenomenal. He leads the American League in save percentage, 96%. He's 22 of 23, and the 22 saves are tied for the fourth fourth most uh, in baseball. And he's got an ERA of 1.11. So he's given up three runs in 24 and a third innings in save situations. And all that is phenomenal. I know there was... Discussion around the trade deadline of whether or not the White Sox were going to hold on to Alex Colomay. And I don't know what the White Sox were offered. Uh, perhaps it was a lot, perhaps it was not. I don't, I'm not privy uh, to those conversations. And I think it's, you know, you could certainly make an argument that if they were offered a ton, that maybe it was in their best interest to move them along. Um, and I just looked at it like a situation where if they were blown away, then they would do it. And if they weren't, then he was going to be here. So I'm assuming that that's what happened. But it's very clear that the White Sox are looking to be in the mix in 2020 for going to the playoffs. Right now, they're 51-63. and 63. So if you do the math on that and you use your high-level high school skills to extrapolate, there's a word, that out to 162-game season... The White Sox are on pace to finish 72 and 90. Now, last year they were 62 and 100. So that would be, correct me if I'm wrong, mathematicians out there, that's a 10 game improvement, which is significant. And even more significant when you consider that Michael Kopech was supposed to be here, missed the entire season. Carlos Rodon was supposed to be a big part of that rotation, basically has missed the entire year. The reason why there has been, at least on pace for a 10-game improvement, and you were a 500 club for most of the season, is a lot of guys have shown big-time, big-time transformation, from Lucas Giolito to Tim Anderson to Eloy Jimenez getting here and on pace for close to 25 home runs in his rookie year, despite missing uh, a decent amount of time being on the injured list. And I think it's... You know, and who, you never know what happens year to year in baseball, but I'd like to believe that Lucas 
has figured it out with his talent base that this is something that he's going to be going forward. And Tim Anderson will hopefully continue to get better. And I think Aloy is just scratching the surface. Yoan Moncada is part of the reason why the White Sox have had a big time or have, have improved, let's say it like that, I don't want to overstate it, have improved in 2019. And so you boil that all together, and I think that's why the White Sox did not have a huge appetite to move a guy like Colome. When you look at the strength of this team, the bullpen is right at the top. And who knows what they'll do in the offseason as far as going out and getting starting pitching. I would think they would be in the mix for somebody like Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole gets to make a decision on where he wants to go, and that's not going to be cheap. But when we rewind back, you didn't spend the 250 some odd million dollars on Manny Machado, so that money is still there. And I was thinking about Machado this week. If he's here right now, where is he playing? Third base, right? So Moncada never moves. Is he as good at second as he's been at third? I, I don't know. I think you can make a fair assumption and say no, that this has actually been a huge part of why Yohan Moncada has been that much better this year. So, and if Machado is here, is he playing short? Okay, well then, you know, Tim Anderson's been been great. Would have been an, um, an all-star if he doesn't get hurt, or certainly in consideration. So I, I, sometimes when things like that don't happen, they end up benefiting you in the long run, which was my hope at the time, by the way, that uh, even though that didn't work out, uh, the White Sox still have the money, and who knows uh, when and where they will use it, but hopefully they'll use it in a great way. All right, quick timeout. Adam Angle coming up after 5. We'll get you a quick check of news next. It's White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Hope you're having a great Saturday. See what Ronaldo Lopez can do on the bump tonight. And then tomorrow, it's Lucas Giolito and Chris Bassett for the A's. Uh, Lucas coming in at 12 and 5 with a 3-4-4 ERA. Adam Angle coming up after the 5 o'clock news. It's great to be back with WGN. It's White Sox Weekly on the official radio station of the Chicago White Sox. 720 WGN. 720 WGN, White Sox Weekly, Adam Angle. First time we're talking this year. First of all, uh, welcome back. You, you look great. Uh, Let's go into the journey here. You, you start out the year with the team. They send you back, say, we want more offense. You have to keep your head up, and, and now you're back here. Could not have been easy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, any, any time you're, uh, you know, no matter what job you have, you don't want to go backwards. So, um, you know, it just it's one of those things where at the beginning of the year I had a slow start and, um, you know, came into the season with some, some different things going on. And, um you know the role that I was in early on, especially I, you know, wasn't playing every day, so I didn't really have, uh, you know, the the everyday routine of you know seeing live pitching, which is um, you know didn't help help try and implement some new stuff that I was working on. So went back down to Charlotte and um, had a chance to, to work every day and um, see live pitching every day, and you know got pretty comfortable down there. So um, came up here and just trying to keep it going. Mechanically, what are you doing differently, if anything? Yeah, so at the beginning of the year, um, I was leg kicking to try and to get a, a feel that I, I wanted to, to stay back, right? And um, that's hard to, to kind of get your timing on 
when, especially like I had mentioned before, when you're not playing every day, it's kind of like kicks aren't the easiest thing, especially when it's a new move for me. Um, so I went back down there and, and kind of went down to a, a different setup where I was getting my foot, uh, or at least getting to my toe on the ground early and kind of going from there, but still trying to have that same, like staying back in my, my backside for as long as I could. Um, just with a different setup. So um, I got to go down there for a couple months and kind of iron out the kinks and, like I said, just trying to keep it going. And for those who don't get into the technicalities or mechanics of hitting, bottom line is if you're late, you're dead. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, hitting is essentially being on time. And everything that we do as a hitter is to try and give us our greatest opportunity of being on time right like that's that's the name of the game and everything that a pitcher is doing is trying to get you either to be too early or to be too late you know so um that that's essentially what hitting and pitching is can can we make them swing the bat at the wrong time right and then obviously you have you know the the accuracy impl- like uh, element but um most of the time guys if they're on time they're pretty accurate so that's that's what you're trying to do just be on time and you want to be also, I'll throw in there my, my hitting expertise over. It's, it's on time with the most force that you possibly have. Like your hips are coming through and all that. It's, on, it's not just on time that I can touch it. It's that I can actually drive it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely part of part of hitting is, you know, you don't want to go up there and swing, and every time you hit the ball, it's like a bunt. You know what I mean? So um, that's definitely part of, part of it. Um, you know, different guys are, you know, trying to hit the ball hard, as hard as they can essentially every swing and you got to kind of figure out who, who you are as a hitter so um you know that's not necessarily my game try hit as hard as i can i'm just trying to go up there and be on time and and be accurate you know and if the ball jumps the ball jumps if not you know just give myself a chance to you know to get on base were you working with anyone specifically at charlotte was a lot of frank manichino was it, i mean how, how'd that go yeah i was working with frank every day um he's awesome uh great guy really knows what he's doing down there um really hard worker um you know, so went down there day one. Was like, hey, um, you know, this is where I'm at. Like, what what do you see? What have you heard? And let's come up with a game plan and uh, you know try and get something going down here. And you know, sat down. I had a ton of talks with him just as far as what we we're trying to accomplish, how we we're going to get there. Um, you know, and he's he's awesome. He's um, you know a huge huge reason why I'm back up here. So confidence did it take a hit? Were you how what would you say? Did you stay level? Um, you know, at the time, um, you know, I think I'd be lying if I said that it didn't affect my, you know, my outlook at the time. But, um, you know, I think if you want to have success in this game, it's got to be short-lived. So once I got to, as soon as I got to the field, day one, and we were in Columbus, day one, it's like, okay, now I'm back to, you know, I'm going to play every day. I'm going to get at bats every day. So let's, you know, let's get this thing rolling. So I was paying attention to the box scores, and you know, we, we talked last year. I met the family. I was sitting in the seats with. So I was like, "Come on, let's get Anna Mango back or something." I'm just watching, and you started out slow, and then you started coming on. And they were putting you at the top of the order, so it, it seemed like it took you a second to get your footing, and then once you did, it started taking off, and then and then here you are. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know, early on, it was there was a lot of like kind of trial and error, experimenting on with you know what do what do I want to go to, you know, because I, I decided kind of, like, I want to get rid of the late kick. I was like, so what am I going to do instead to kind of, like, get that timing and rhythm, um, you know, and get rid of the late kick? So I probably went through, like, five or six different loading mechanisms before I kind of landed on what I landed on. 
and during that time it was pretty ugly. It was uh, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of frustrating at-bats, where it's like, man, I saw that pitch, and that's a pitch that I normally drive, and, you know, because I wasn't on time or I wasn't comfortable with how I was loading, I missed it. And um, that's that's when, you know, experience has to kind of take over and say, hey, you know, I've been here before. I know what this is like. I'm trying to, you know, work on something, and with that comes failure most of the time. I mean, not always, but most of the time. So I'm um, just stuck with it. And then, like I said, once I found something that I liked and I was comfortable with, um, the results started to happen a lot quicker. That could drive you crazy. And, like, oh, my God, maybe I can't do this. Is I would think would creep in at some point. So kudos to sticking with yourself. But what was that part of it like? Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that, as a player, it's like it didn't cross my mind. Like, that wasn't it for me. It was never like a, oh, no, let's panic. It was more of a... Um, like let's go down the checklist here and, and figure out what what's going to give me my best chance, and then just buy into it and, and stick with it. Um, but yeah, absolutely. There's there's times I'm sure in everybody's career where they're kind of like second guessing, like man, can I still do this or do I think I can do this? And um, like I said, that wasn't that wasn't necessarily where I was at. But um, you know, that's hopefully that's not a place you get to anytime soon. And your defense has always been elite, so. Was that like? Are you able to leave when you are struggling to play? When I go out to center field or wherever you are in the outfield, that uh, I'm not thinking about anything else other than making a play right now. Yeah, I think that's always kind of been, even at a you know, when I was an amateur, you know, it wasn't something like that I ever allowed to to kind of cross over. Um, That was something I was taught from a really young age. Like, hey man, you know, if you do one thing bad, you can't let that affect the next thing right so and that was really drilled into our heads at at louisville big time um so that's like i said i've i've kind of had that element you know throughout my entire career of like hey man just because you mess up even even offensively take a really bad swing in the first pitch then it doesn't mean the next pitch has to be as bad you know so that's something that um you know as as an athlete you just kind of work through any conversations with Ricky or with Trick coming back here? Would they just Adam go out and do your thing? Yeah, uh, just kind of day one, kind of went in and said, "What do you need from me?" You know, happy to be back. Want to help any way I can? And they just said, um, "You know, just be yourself, essentially." And you know, Trick kind of was uh, messing around with me, so yeah, just produce or set, or just play well, or I don't remember exactly what he said, but um, you know, just happy to be back, man. You know back with these guys there's a good group of guys down in, down in charlotte as well but it's good to be back with these guys and um you know just trying to contribute it seems like you're more comfortable now than maybe you've ever been i don't know that's what i'm saying yeah absolutely i think um you know i'm kind of at a, a stage now like i said where i, I landed on something in AAA that i that i like and i'm comfortable with and i'm just trying to you know just go in and produce on a daily basis field of dreams you know anything about it uh not a whole lot i I did an interview the other day, a real quick interview, and said, yeah, I've never seen it. And I've been getting text messages from people back home, like, you've never seen Field of Dreams? I'm like, no, never seen it. But that's not your era, man. Do you, do you have a favorite baseball movie? Um, I like almost all baseball movies. They're all so different, you know what I mean, and like kind of what the message they're trying to get across. But um, I loved Hardball as a kid with Keanu Reeves and G-Baby, and, yeah, that was one of my favorites. Adam Angle, hardball. That's an endorsement right there. Have, uh, 
Looking forward to seeing you back out there. Are you playing today in the lineup today? In the lineup today. Not in the lineup today. Well, maybe we'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Adam Angle, 720 WGN. With Keanu Reeves. Can't say that I've seen it. I'm willing to uh, take text on that. 312-981-7200. Is Hardball a good movie? Should Adam Angle perhaps be a movie critic? Hardball? I'm getting the mid-thumb from Andy Mazur. Who I, who I, we could talk to in the next segment about hardball. Hey, Elvis Knight, it's Friday, August 23rd at Guaranteed Rate Field. You don't miss Elvis Knight, it's awesome. You can join us in remembering the king of rock and roll as the Sox take on the Texas Rangers. That's a 7 10 first pitch. And be sure to stay for the post game fireworks presented by Beggar's Pizza. Visit whitesox.com to purchase your tickets today and then take the family out to the ball game. With a family four-pack, you get four tickets, four hot dogs, four drinks, four chips. It starts at just $49. It's brought to you by Country Financial. Prepare for your financial future one simple step at a time at takesimplesteps.com. For tickets, visit whitesox.com slash four-packs and enter that promo code VALUE. Quick time out, White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Hope you're having a great afternoon. Sox baseball coming up. Andy's got your pregame at the bottom of the hour. You can join us on Saturday, August 24th, as the Sox take on the Texas Rangers. That's a 6-10 first pitch. And be one of the first 10,000 fans, 21 and over, to receive a White Sox beer stein. It's presented by Budweiser. White Sox fans, this Bud's. For you, purchase your tickets at whitesocks.com today. Food just got delivered here. I'm about to talk to Andy Major, so if you want to eat right now, I'd go right now. I'll keep on talking. Uh, there's no better way to catch the second half of the season than with a summer voucher pack. You get ten. You get you receive ten tickets to any game of your choosing at Guaranteed Rate Field. Use them in any combination. So you can have two to this game, four to that game, two to this game. I'm going solo twice. All that stuff. Uh, any combination, so you can watch your socks your way. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash voucher. Andy Mazur, how do you watch your socks? Do you like to go solo? I feel like that's kind of your thing. You just sit there, you chill out, you read a book, you watch baseball. I'm here with you guys. Forget that. I, I watch it in groups, you know. I mean, uh, that's kind of the way it goes. <laughs> so have you actually seen Hardball, the Keanu Reeves? I have, yeah, with uh, G-Baby and everything like that, yeah. okay. Uh, Keanu Reeves is the uh, the main guy. Okay, you're giving it the a Diane Lane. Got to like the Diane Lane. You're giving it the Mazer two and a half stars out of four. Eh, you know, it was okay. I mean, uh, it wasn't my cup of tea. I mean, it was shot here in Chicago, which gives it a you know a little bit of a an edge over some of the other ones. But uh, there was one on the clubhouse today. I don't know if you saw on the back TV. Uh, was an underrated baseball film, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Steve Cochran actually had an appearance in it. Little Big League. Little Big League. The one where the little guy uh, takes over the Minnesota Twins, and the the first question he asked about. Uh, uh, being uh, get, getting second guest in the clubhouse is Steve Cochran. Check it out. I did see. I, I did see Little Big League was on, although I wasn't sure what movie it was that I was watching. Yeah. But I did see the twin. good flick. Yeah, they were at uh, they were at Fenway Park. They were yeah. having that dream. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and I did not know that Steve Cochran was in the movie. He is in the movie. What what dinner am I delaying you from right now? Uh, I got the uh, the lovely plain steak burger today. That's oh, a delicious option. Yeah, good choice. All right, so. Coming up on pregame today, you have something interesting. Yeah, we talked to uh, Yohan Moncada through uh, interpreter Billy Russo today. Uh, Yohan went through some paces out there on the infield and also took uh, 
Took a little batting practice, so we'll get an update on how he's feeling. And also some thoughts from Eloy Jimenez on his bobblehead day today. What are you seeing? That is interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I almost stole a couple of bobbleheads, but I didn't want to lose my job, so I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, but they are rolling around here, and a, a very good crowd expected on hand tonight, over 30,000 uh, for a little Saturday night uh, bobblehead action. What are you seeing from Eloy as of late? You know, I think, uh, and he mentions this too, that uh, he believes his timing is starting to come back a little bit. And you know, that was a that was a uh, you know something that they were going to have to to deal with because they didn't send him out of minor league rehab. They wanted him to get his advance here at the big league level rather than get him at the minor league level. So you know, you're gonna you're, you're gonna see a guy struggle a little bit because your timing is off. He feels like it's starting to come back. He tried a couple of games without the batting gloves to uh, to kind of shake the uh, shake the cobwebs out, so to speak, but put them back on. But uh, it really feels like uh, things are starting to turn in a in a positive direction for him at the plate. Yeah, and look for a you know a, a guy in his rookie year on pace to hit roughly twenty five home runs. Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not exactly uh, terrible. He's tied for, for uh, the AL rookie lead with homers with eighteen. He's fifth with RBIs with forty three. He's fourth in total bases. He's ninth in extra base hits. Uh, I mean, all those are are, are good numbers. It's got to make him feel pretty good. I know he he probably doesn't even like feel perhaps like he should be considered with the rookies. You know, like he's I'm a you know maybe I'm a veteran at this point in August. But I think all those numbers speak very well for what's coming. Yeah, I would agree. And and I think uh, you know there was a question that was asked of Ricky Renteria, which we'll have today too, about uh, kind of comparing Yoan Mokata's first year, and we saw him go through some struggles playing second base, and then of course uh, this year moving over to third and and doing what he's done, uh, if, if Ricky sees any similarities between uh, the scuffles that Eloy has gone through a little bit here in this first year to uh, to what might be in the in the cards for next year. Yeah. Uh, what are we hearing at Moncada? Uh, he says he's feeling better. There's still no timetable set up. He, he's still starting to – he still feels a little bit of as he's, as he's feeling ground balls and swinging only from the right side, not from the left, is where he's starting to feel it. So – uh, you know they're going to be extra cautious. You know they, you don't want to let this linger. You'd like to have him out there uh, today if he could, but uh, but apparently he does not feel like it's ready to go today, and, and uh, he'll just continue to work and try to get uh, try to get back. And meanwhile, Ryan Goins has been a nice surprise here. I don't know what this means going forward. Yeah, but he certainly has conducted himself like a big leaguer, no doubt about it. Yeah, you know I looked it up before he played his first game at third base, not including the one that he came off the bench to to get in there when Makata came out, but he only had played 22 games in his big league career at third base prior to uh, prior to this season. Most of his games were at uh, second base and shortstop. Uh, and I think he's uh, he's done a nice job. He, there's certain things, there's certain plays, obviously, that Yoan Makata with a stronger arm can make at third base than that Goins can't. Uh, not to take anything away from the guy, he's not a third baseman by trade, and he's going out there and getting playing time, which is what every Major League Baseball player wants, He's going to go out and give it his best, and I think he's done a very nice job. He really has, and yeah, he doesn't have, I would say, even close to the arm of Yon Mankata, but he's getting it over there. Right. He's, you know, he's, he knows his limitations, so he's not going to hold it for a whole lot of time, and he's, he's, been, he's, played, he's done a nice job. Andy, I'll let you eat your burger before Thank you. pregame. Thank you so much. All right, let's take, uh, we'll take a quick time out, come back, wrap it up, and hand it over uh, to Andy Mazur for our White Sox pregame show with the Oakland A's. This is 720 WGN.